1: Good Thursday afternoon. I'm Angela Cocot, and it seems like a long time since I've spoken to Marinenci. and running into him in Rio de Janeiro doesn't count.
2: I think that counts. I think we had a very, very important issue about <laughs> conversation about municipal issues at the Rio Equestrian Centre.
1: I think we did, yes. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We just so happened I was there and you were there because... We were last, both on
2: vacation. Yeah, yeah.
1: for the last number of years you've managed, no, number of Olympics you and buddies yeah. have gotten together. Did you yeah, go I to have these, I have
2: these two buddies who Uh, man and woman Americans uh, the one lives in Canada who go to international sporting events Uh, they go to the World Cup they go to the Olympics so we went to London together and at the end of London we said see you in Sochi and then we went no that's not going to (laughs) work and uh, so then we said see you in Rio and at the end of Rio we said see you in South Korea so we'll see how things go
1: If you're in South Korea, who knows what you'll be doing down the road, but we do know that next October you are going to once again run for mayor of our fine city.
2: That is the plan. Yes. Uh, though this week, uh, I don't know if anybody feels all that good about politics uh, right now and, I'm thinking radio hosts. Do ex-politicians <laughs> ever do that?
1: Um, yeah, I think some of them have done it and have done very well at it, uh, if I say so myself.
2: But I, but I want your shift, though. None of this morning show stuff.
1: <laughs> no, I've worked worked long and hard for this shift. Okay, Trump. Yeah, The reaction to Trump's uh, victory?
2: Well, you know, democracy is a pretty amazing thing. And I'm a big nerd. Um, that surprises everyone who's listening, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, So I and I'm obsessed with U.S. politics. So I was watching the polls and the pundits and everything on all sides very, very, very closely. And I sure didn't expect what happened. You know, all night I was saying to people, "Look, Wisconsin and Michigan are just going to flip. When they flip, it'll all come down to Nevada, which is pretty much what everyone thought was going to happen." But instead of Wisconsin and Michigan flipping, Pennsylvania flipped. And what's really interesting about that is that Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Sorry, I'm getting really nerdy about this. Trump had not led in a single poll there this year, not one. And so, I mean, there's lots to talk about, about the impact on Canada and in Alberta and stuff. But from the nerdy side of things, wow, the polling industry has a lot to answer for here.
1: Well, I had Janet Brown on yesterday, well-known did she pollster. Say? And she said, you know, on a national level, because they were looking at just the popular vote... They weren't far off. They no, but had they were wrong Hillary, in the States. But she said you had to drill down into the more regional votes, or mm. the regional polls. And, uh, and that definitely. is, in fact,
2: what I did. And they were, wrong. they were wrong. And, you know, they were wrong with big sample sizes. Now, what's most interesting about this, don't, you're supposed to have the mayor on instead I know. of you're getting well, Professor Pundit and <laughs> she on. What's really interesting about it is that Trump actually got fewer votes than Mitt Romney did.
1: Yes, that's so right. So yeah.
2: it was less a giant groundswell for... Trump, uh, as it was an entire and total collapse of the Democratic vote. Yes. They were down 7 million votes. Uh, And then you think about that and you go, okay, that is actually a really big issue that that party's going to have to think about. Well,
1: because it was interesting, leading up to this, people were saying, oh, look what the Republicans are going to have to deal with, especially if Trump does, in fact, lose, which is what it was looking like. But now, really, it's what the Democrats have to look at, because how they manage to lose that is probably the big question then.
2: You know, I um, I had a friend of mine who's a Canadian who's been living in the U.S. for a long time say, now, what do you think if people distrust the media... And the Republicans have the House and the Senate and the presidency. You know where's the opposition come from? And I said, "Ah, you're being silly because in a parliamentary democracy like we have, when a party has a majority, they have absolute power, and the opposition comes from the opposition, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what's going to happen in the u s right now, and in fact, because they don't have party discipline in the house and in the in Congress uh, in the House and in the Senate you know trump has far less power than prime minister trudeau or premier notley does
1: well and that's so what it's we've an interesting heard before point as well yeah. because that really trudeau has a lot more power than uh, the president of the united states
2: absolutely okay. uh, but but let me tell you there are a few things that the president can do executive orders on and a few things that are in his discretion watch how i pivot see i could have your job
1: <laughs> and one
2: of those has to do with the approval of the keystone xl pipeline right
1: exactly and
2: so in fact If President Trump finds the State Department report to his satisfaction that recommended approval, he literally could approve that pipeline on his first day of office.
1: Well, and, and so that's there are some positives that we are seeing. And a lot of people, they're thinking the world has ended. Well, we don't really know where this president is going because he flip-flopped on so many of the more outstanding issues that he talked about during the campaign. So I think a lot of people are still saying, well, we do have to wait and see, don't we?
2: You know, absolutely. And so who knows what's going to happen. We'll have to hope that cool heads prevail in Congress on things like trade treaties mm-hmm. uh, and so on. Otherwise, Canada could be a collateral damage um, because I'm sure that the President's administration hasn't spent five seconds thinking about trade with Canada yet. They're thinking more about Mexico of when you talked about
1: th- tearing but, up NAFTA you know I'm I've had I, at- I
2: know professors are trying to figure out well if they withdraw from NAFTA, does that mean that the old FTA, the 1988 FTA between Canada and the U.S., is still in force?
1: Which wasn't good for Canada. It was
2: okay. But it wasn't
1: as good as NAFTA.
2: But, yeah, so, I mean, this is a lot of interesting questions that have to be asked. But let's just, if you don't mind, talk about Keystone for a second. Okay. So if, in fact, he does approve the pipeline, um, it does not solve all our problems. And I think it's important for us to remember that. I'm going to Vancouver next week. And I'll be talking a little bit about this uh, there, uh, surprisingly. Um, But uh, it doesn't solve all of our problems. It certainly solves one problem of uh, glut of capacity and supply here in Alberta. And it kind of solves the problem because it does get us to tidewater in the Gulf Coast. But it does require us to use U.S. refining um, and get through the Gulf Coast. And we still need... Trans Mountain, and we still need, particularly, east. still need Energy East. Yeah, and I hope that the federal government doesn't see the approval of Keystone as an excuse to drag their heels further on the other two. Yeah, and they might so, say
1: that okay, you got Keystone, we don't have to worry about giving you approval for Kinder Morgan or Energy East. east. You know, and
2: that's that's what I get concerned about. Um, there's a lot of stuff that uh, the president-elect has said about trade that is bad. I suspect that he will back out on some of it and have a lot of trouble getting a lot of the rest of it through Congress. Um, so we'll see how all yeah. of that plays out. I do want to say, though, one thing, which which is serious. You know, we've uh, we we we've had a lot... Of, there's been a lot of joking around about this election in the U.S., and, and uh, it's no secret that I went to school in the U.S. I am a big fan of what that country stands for uh, and what it is. And I think, though, that there's a cautionary message here, which is that setting aside the joking around, setting aside the economic policy, there were a lot of very hateful things that came out in this election. Anti-Muslim stuff, straight up racist stuff, anti-woman stuff. And I'm not talking necessarily about things that the president-elect himself did or said. There were some of that too. But the supporters who were somehow emboldened to talk about this stuff, let's not forget the president-elect was endorsed by the KKK. Mm. And I think that we here in Canada need to be very very thoughtful about how we answer what I call the age-old question of the world, of humanity. How do we live together? And I think that we here in Canada have kind of figured it out. But as we look across Western Europe, as we look across the United States, there are countervailing forces, and I always say forces that would rather drag us apart than bring us together. And for Canada, it's too small a country, It's too cold. Um, If we cannot figure out how to do this together with people from all over the world of every faith, of every background, being able to succeed and have opportunity here then we are in very big trouble because we don't have anything else to fall back on.
1: I am hoping that his victory speech, uh, you know, had a conciliatory tone, that he he recognizes how divided that campaign was, how divided the country is. And so let's hope that he recognizes he's got to bring yeah. people together.
2: I thought his victory speech was very good. You know, I was <laughs> at the end of that night at one in the morning, I said, I can't bear it. I'm, I'm going to yeah. bed. <laughs> and so I, I, I was not going to listen to the victory speech. And uh, in fact... as I was drifting off to sleep, there was a TV on elsewhere in the house and I could kind of hear him starting. So I leaned over to the radio on the bedside table. I'm like, I better listen to this uh, and turned it on. And I actually thought it was remarkably conciliatory, remarkably gracious. Uh, And I hope that that's the tone that he'll continue to strike. Because as you all know, if the United States catches a cold, we get pneumonia. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so anything that happens there really impacts what we do here and we really benefit from a strong economy and a strong society in the united states and hopefully his policies will get us there
1: yeah let's take a break and we'll shift from u.s politics to civic politics yes mayor nancy's saying he is going to run for a third term any of the questions you have for the mayor you know you can always text us 403-974-8255 which is the same number you will reach us at on the phone Back with Mayor after this. I'm Angela Cocod, and you are listening to Calgary Today. Mayor you know, we had it where he was dropping by every month or so, and our calendars got a little busy, so... Hopefully I don't know what your December calendar is like. We'll make it work. Okay, so we'll he'll be back next month, but he we'll is always willing to take as many of your phone calls as possible and we are also Facebook living this, which is not the proper term or the verb, but this is on Facebook and it is live.
2: Facebooking it live? Facebooking it live. Know.
1: Let's try that. 403-974-8255, the number to call and text. Hello Steve.
0: Yeah, if you live, if you work in Foothills Industrial and live in Falcon Ridge, Castle Ridge, or in Mackenzie Town, in Castle Ridge, there's two buses, two trains to get to Foothills. If you're in Mackenzie Town, it's two buses, one train. Could, is it possible to run a bus from the deep north all the way to the deep south on 52nd Street? because it's been upgraded and maybe to the hospital as well and then run a circle bus say on 61st Avenue that would loop through foothills industrial and then one uh, maybe in the northeast that would fit, uh, loop through where say east of 36th Street to Barlow where a lot of that industrial is so you don't have to spend two hours on transit. Is that a workable idea, or am I out to
2: lunch? No, you're not out to lunch at all, Steve. So I can tell you two things. Number one is there is a bus, uh, the number 176, as a matter of fact, 52nd Street Express, that goes from Saddletown Station to basically Douglas Glen. Uh, straight down 52nd Street, kind of ending up in that Douglas Glen 24th Street area. Doesn't do exactly what you need, and it's relatively limited hours, but it is a great option. So as you know, I live just off of 52nd Street in the northeast, and boy, people line up for that bus um, when uh, in the mornings. Uh, I'm never home in the afternoons, but theoretically, probably on the way home. The good news, the other better news is that you've heard a lot about these BRTs that we're building. Um, There's one North Cross Town from Northeast Calgary to the university. The Southwest one, of course, we've talked about on the show many times. The next one, after we finish building the five that we're building, is actually the 52nd Street Bus Rapid Transit, which is exactly what you're describing. Um, But that's that's a little bit of money, and that one's a little ways away.
0: And if you're such
2: a nerd, which Big Bang character do you most identify with? Which Big Bang character? Oh, Big Bang um, theory character, yeah. Yeah, definitely Leonard. The okay. one who tries to bring normalcy to all the nerds around him. <laughs> and plus ends up with a really cute girl in the end. <laughs>
1: okay, all right. bye. Steve, thanks. Thank R- you. 403 974 8255 A text here says, We hear a lot about bullying in schools in politics in the workplace, but we don't hear about bullying in traffic. There's not a day when I'm in my car that I either do not express or observe this type of aggressive behavior? I'm wondering what your thoughts are and really what can be done.
2: What a neat question. You know, for a long time, even though Calgary drivers may not have been the best drivers in the world, we were always polite. And I really miss that courtesy wave. I always give it anytime I change lanes, even if there's no one behind me. (laughs) Just have it. Wave. Thank you. Um, But, you know, part of it too is uh, understanding that we live in a big city now. And sometimes... um, we have to just, uh, there's no polite way of saying this. We have to understand that what may seem like aggressive moves are actually safe moves. So, the best example of this is what's called the scissor merge. So, you I'm know, all
1: about the scissor merge. I've done shows on the scissor merge. You? Yes, okay. and I cannot. Uh, okay, let's talk about the scissor. Z- very, the z- very quickly. I call it the zipper merge, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, zipper is better than scissors. Zipper is better than scissor. Um, yeah, okay. so,
2: so, we'll call it the zipper merge. I like that. Um, so, the idea is today on the way here, You know, I ran into a lot of construction and I'm about to pivot again and tell you about that construction. But there were five different construction zones on Fourth Avenue Mm -hmm. um, between City Hall and uh, the station, which is why I came running in out of breath just as we were starting. (laughs) But what I noticed is that when a lane is closed and people see, oh, the lane is closed way ahead, they immediately change their lane. Don't do that. Go to the very very end, and some people see that as aggressive, but actually it makes everyone move faster. so if you go to the end and then you just alternate one 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 yeah, like know. a zipper, see zipper is way better yeah. It actually moves much more quickly. But the challenge is some people don't want to do that because they think everyone else will think they're being aggressive and honk at them or give them the finger. You're butting in. in. You should be
1: waiting back there. No, I completely agree. Um, I'm all about the zipper merge. Let's uh, uh, let me can I just can
2: I can I pivot for a second on that, which is why the heck is there so much construction going on? And I want to actually... Wait are
1: you the caller or are you the mayor? That's the callers are supposed to ask, why is there so much construction going on? I'm preempting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but actually, you know, uh, and I know people are going to call about this, so I just do want to mention that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in tough times economically. Last week we hit the number that we've all been dreading that new was coming, which is double-digit unemployment. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of things that government needs to be doing right now. The government at all levels needs to be doing right now. But one of the best things I think that city government can be doing is just building stuff, building stuff we need anyway. Cost of construction is way lower than it was in 2015. We're seeing twenty-five, 20, 25% discounts on building stuff. Yeah. Labor. Interest yeah. rates are unbelievably low. I mean, they're zero basically. So the other orders of government can borrow at very minimal cost right now. And people are unemployed mm-hmm. and we need stuff. So, you know, as hard as it is, and it's hard for me, too, when you're frustrated at that road construction, do understand that it's actually a great thing. Yeah. That we're putting people back to work. We're building stuff we need and we're improving the system and we're doing it on purpose.
1: It's a sign of progress. We have to remember that. Uh, let's see here. Where do I go? Hello, Jack. Hi, how are you? Doing well. What do you? Th- what's your question from the mayor?
0: Well, I, uh, the mayor was talking about the zipper move and how you move at construction sites and stuff like that. Uh, I think the first thing that we should look at having is maybe a driving school teaching people how, uh, something about road etiquette instead of just making sure the car can go forward.
2: <laughs> I don't disagree with you. You know, um, the the other thing that's really big for me these days is we have a lot of roundabouts of traffic circles being built in the city. In fact, our design standards for new neighborhoods, like if you're down in Legacy, for example, is actually to have lots of these roundabouts because they're much more efficient than traffic lights if people know how to right. use them. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, but... the, new, the new interchange at Flanders and Crowchild, oh boy, yeah, <laughs>
0: yes. even I
2: find those signs a little bit confusing. So if we could figure out a way, you know, maybe I should be like, canada's worst driver mayor youtube series <laughs> and literally try and get some of this information out to people because i think you're right i think a lot of people got their driver's license a long time ago they might have got it you know learning to drive in a more rural place right and we got to figure this out
1: you know what a yeah. uh, good question jack and let's take a break here for a news break we've got a full phone board lots of text 403-974-8255 if you can hang in there Great. If not, hang up and call back. But uh, we definitely want to get your questions to Marinanchi. I'm Angela Cocot. You're listening to Calgary Today. The number to call and text 403 974 8255. Marinanchi joining us in studio. He'll be here till 4 o'clock. We'll do our best to get as many texts and phone calls through to the mayor as possible. Four zero.
2: a on Zipper. You won't go off on a rant. Man, oh, man. (laughs)
1: 403-974-8255. One person saying it's time to step aside. Three terms is too much. It's time for someone else. This is the trouble with politics. They don't know when enough is enough because, of course, you'll be going for your third term next fall.
2: Well, here's the thing. People get to decide. If you actually think citizens are too dumb to vote, you've got a bigger problem than term limits for politicians you've got a fundamental problem with democracy that said run yeah. nominations close september 20th start organizing now september it's easy 20th. to knock me off so
1: you could go next year up until september 20th The nominations close hey? yeah huh. and wait a second have we got pretty much every counselor going back oh jim stevenson uh, Is Jim.
2: one has announced his retirement counselor stevenson, stevenson right. uh, up in ward three a lot of people are starting to uh announce that they're running i think it's going to be a pretty interesting race huh. we've had a couple people um talk about uh running for mayor already uh and you know i look forward to that because i i mean it sounds silly but it's very true i actually believe in democracy mm-hmm. i believe the people are always right especially when i think they're wrong um because are we getting back I'm to the u.s election are we getting no, it? <laughs> maybe um but uh <laughs> but i hope that we have a really really vigorous debate with different ideas out there and people can vote for the ones they believe in
1: 403-974-8255 hello david
0: Good afternoon, and Afternoon, Mr. Mayor. Hi, David. Uh, I have a suggestion. Now, keep in mind this is somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Uh, regarding your comments on the carbon tax on city vehicles.
2: Oh, my favorite topic, uh-huh. Uh,
0: well, I figure since uh, you represent uh, about 1.2 million people, which is roughly a third of the population of this province, you might just say, no, nah, I'm not going to pay it. What are you going to do, arrest me? <laughs>
2: police work for me. Oh, I'd love to. (laughs) And by the way, the police don't work for me. The police work for the police commission. You do do not want to live in a world where the police work for politicians. (laughs) But but in any case, uh, the challenge is that the carbon tax is not, um, you know, a, a bill they send you, right? It's on every liter of gasoline. It's on every kilojoule of natural gas. And this is actually kind of an important point, which is... It's absolutely the federal and provincial government's prerogative to determine whether they want to tax carbon or not. And it's not really my place to say whether that's a good idea or a bad idea in general. And I understand why they're trying to do it in terms of the whole concept of uh, social license and recycling um, that income into the economy. The challenge with the Alberta carbon levy uh, is really a challenge about details. And it really is. So, for example, I was speaking recently with a nonprofit that provides uh, affordable housing for low-income people. And because they built the affordable housing units as cheaply as possible, they don't have individual meters. And, in fact, they're not allowed to charge utilities to their uh, tenants. So what's going to happen is their utility bill is going to go way up. The low-income tenants are going to get a rebate for the carbon tax because they're low-income. But they didn't actually pay the utilities that they're getting the rebate for, the nonprofit did. So these are actually uh. not difficult things to fix, you know, taxing public transit when you're trying to get more people to take public transit, that's yeah, just dumb. These are not actually difficult things to fix. The challenge we have with the provincial government is that it's almost as though they've dug in their heels on this issue and almost refused to move forward on ways that we can solve the problems. You know, I'm not attacking the carbon tax as a whole. I'm just saying, look, as you implement it in six weeks or eight weeks from now, there's going to be some stuff that you haven't thought about, and let's try to fix it.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good point, David. Uh, thanks so much for the call. Uh, let's uh, try to get in a couple of more phone calls here before we go back to the text. Hi, Danny.
3: Hello, Mr. Mayor, Angela. Hi, Danny. For taking my call. Uh, first, a little axe to grind.
1: With,
2: okay, go, uh,
3: Mr. Mayor. When you're saying building stuff, and in, uh, in the city, it just sounds kind of cheap. <laughs> And okay. it sounds like it could be a big waste of money. Like, it's like going to the dollar store, you can spend a lot of money, buy a lot of things for not a lot of money maybe, but most of it ends up in the garbage.
2: So. Well, should, should I just say building infrastructure? I find the word infrastructure doesn't mean anything to anybody, but, uh, but I, that's very good feedback. Thank you. I appreciate it.
3: All right. And I, wonder, I was calling about, I um, want to ask questions about, a re- I think it's a rec center being built in the northwest at the far end of Country Hills Boulevard. Yes. Just north of Royal Oak?
2: It is a rec center. It'll be a new YMCA when it's done.
3: Okay. Is that being funded by the city? Is that a city Absolutely. project?
2: Absolutely. It's a city project. So okay. we are when I, when I first became mayor, there were these four regional recreation centers that were on the books, but they just had never been able to get the funding. You might remember that we had a weird situation with the federal government. Oh, we're now talking four or five years back where they had... Uh, had funding on the table through P3 Canada and they pulled it at the last minute. It was the famous press conference I had where I had the kids in their hockey gear and the lawyers with all the documents and they literally changed the website during the press conference and it was on the big oh. screen behind me. Um anyway, so we were able to get them funded. So two of them are open now. Uh the one in Great Plains which is a hockey facility, it's for ice. I have a grand opening of that coming up, but it's already f- opened. Uh, And the one in Quarry Park, the Remington YMCA, which is just this amazing smaller rec centre. And then the two big ones, uh, the one you're talking about in Rocky Ridge Royal Oak and one in Seton right across the hospital, will come on stream and be open in the next couple of years.
1: And to be clear, the city has built it. Uh, Sorry, Danny, but uh, the city has built it, but the Y operates it, right? right. That's right. Well, the Y Y
2: operates three of them and a non-profit, a for-profit company, excuse me, Um, called Canlan Ice, I think that's the right name, runs the Great Plains one. So what we did is we had a competition for um, whether we had partners who could run it cheaper than the city. Right. And the Y won three of those contracts. We had people from all over the world apply. The Y won three of those, uh, and this for-profit company, first time we've ever had a for-profit doing it, won the one for the ice facility. Anyway, sorry, Denny, I cut you off there. All
3: right. My question was about the the cost of the facility and the time it's taking to build it 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 seems to me I, I drive by there uh on a fairly regular basis not every day but on occasion and uh it i think it's been i think it took like a year just to get out of the ground and then and another year or so to get to where it's now and just putting a roof on that thing has been a
0: uh, most
3: of this year it looks like it's really complex my question is the complexity of the place and is it going to turn into a big white elephant in the place that you're going to have to drop a lot of money into in the future to maintain?
2: Hey, I'm really glad you asked that question. It's a, it's a, it's a very smart question. Um, so my assistant lives down the street from that. So I hear the update on the construction every single day um, about uh, many similar questions that she's got for you. So it is a complicated facility. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll tell you, it's a very beautiful building. Um, and, you know, some people say when you build city stuff, it should be sort of utilitarian, do it cheaply. I believe that for some things, but I believe for public things like libraries and rec centers, we should actually strive to make them graceful, beautiful places where people feel really welcome in the community. That Be that as it may, one of the reasons this one is so complex is because it's being built to, as, as all our new buildings are, to very high environmental standards. And the reason you do that is to um, lower operating costs. So it's really well insulated. It has really energy efficient lighting. It's very energy efficient in its design from the ground up. So it's actually, I hope, the opposite of what you're saying, that we're spending so much time and money up front in building it so that the long-term operating and maintenance will be much cheaper.
1: Danny, thanks for the call. Got to take a break here. Lots of calls to get to 403-974-8255. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today. Back after this. Oh, I've got the sick feeling that we're going to have lots of texts and phone calls by four o'clock. So let's try to get through as many as possible. 403-974-8255. Mayor Nanshee, it says, Please inform the mayor that the police work for the citizens and the community and the city at large, not the police commission.
2: Oh, that's exactly right. But they don't work for politicians. And the police commission, as you may or may not know, are in fact citizen volunteers who represent the community. And I think that's very important.
1: I'm glad the mayor is running again. I also agree people don't know the rules on roundabouts, including me. Is there a standard rule or are they all different?
2: Yield to the traffic in the circle. That's the rule. If you're in the circle, keep going. You have the right of way.
1: Are you going to do another Reddit AMA? We miss you.
2: Is that crack, Max? That
1: is crack, Max.
2: No, <laughs> because people ask me questions about monkey. No, what was it? Horses and ducks and ducks and horses and... <laughs> Nothing then, like the really thoughtful questions you get. <laughs> actually, here. no, we had a lot of fun doing that um, in the uh, in the previous election. We probably should do it again.
1: One more text before we get to the long of. Th- list of phone calls there. I don't see why we need a second pedestrian bridge on McLeod Trail, half a block from an already existing one. That's a construction project that has me wondering if the city is spending for the sake of spending. Cougars asking that question. I
2: think you're talking about McLeod Trail um, at Chinook Center. All right. I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, if that's what you are talking about, there's two things there. One is there's an old bridge there that's sort of nearing the end uh, of its life cycle and can't handle the traffic. The other is that... Uh, As you know, the congestion around that corner at the entrance to Chinook Centre is a very, very big deal. So what we really want to do is encourage more people to move from Chinook LRT straight into the mall. So there's some very interesting plans around, and and there's been a lot of construction, and a lot of construction, which has been a little unfortunate. It's gone on and on, and I feel really bad for the businesses there on 61st Avenue. But it's all about creating a much better environment to get people from Chinook Centre to the LRT. station and the pedestrian bridge is part of that because to ask people to sort of go a couple blocks out of their way they'd rather cross at the level uh at the crosswalk we all would but that slows down the traffic
1: let's go back to the phones hello jim
2: thank you
0: for taking my call you bet Uh, a big part of the two two quick things and and, and and is there is, is there no sta- – you talk about the zipper merge and all is there no standard for what we expect for when we set up a construction site? They seem to be, like, all over the place. Some some places you get a quarter-mile uh, warning that your lane is ending, and the next minute you come up to a thing and all of a sudden your lane is gone. And, you know, and I think the other thing is to commun- – I don't – I see sometimes where there's no passing signs when your guys are describing a zipper merge.
2: yeah. You know, oh. uh,
0: we should be making that is some sort of a maybe almost a situation or a, a traffic law or, or given that we will have like this traffic circle. We will have zipper merges at
2: construction sites. That's, a, you know, that's very good input, Jim. Uh, I got to tell you that these last few weeks, anyone who works in my office knows that I am absolutely obsessed with the city of Calgary's construction signage. Because it just so happens that, you know, I have to drive through a lot of construction myself these days uh, as I travel around the city. And uh, as everyone who drives, I'm a very, very uh, experienced transportation engineer and have great ideas on how to fix things. Uh, The roads people love it when I call. They really do. But I think that the idea of much more standardized signage and not just signage, but much more standardized, um, exactly what you're describing, design design of the lane closures is very, very, very helpful. You know, just and, have, and have a sign describing a zipper merge. I like it. I think it's a great idea. You know, just the other day, I was um, trying to avoid an a-, a collision. We're not supposed to use the word accident anymore because they're rarely accidents. I was trying to avoid a collision on 16th Avenue, and I went around to Rundlehorn Drive. For those who are from the northeast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there was a bit of construction to a water main repair, on 20th Avenue across 36th Street from Rundlehorn Drive. Long story, the construction was on the other side of 36th Street, but they had closed the lane on the Rundlehorn side mm, yeah. of 36th Street, which really, really backed up traffic trying to turn on to 36th Street, which is a major, major artery. And I just looked at it and went, well, this is dumb. You know, the the lane closure should have been immediately on the other side of the intersection. So I did, you know, I, I have one privilege as mayor, which is I can call the guy. <laughs> So I called them and I said, what's going on here? And they said, you know, we'll go and fix that. And as it turned out, they had fixed the water main break by the time they got out there. But um, exactly this, exactly this, even today on Fifth Street, the bike lane was closed and it was really unclear from the signage where the bikes were supposed to go and where the cars were supposed to go. We got to get better at this. That's an absolute mea culpa and it's something I'm really working on.
0: One more quick thing. I know you want to get to a lot of calls, but I'm not sure if you can or not. But can you comment on the PPA...
2: uh Oh, man. Um, that would take an entire show. Uh, it's been really clear. So what you're talking about the is the government purchase. the government um, suing on these power purchase agreements that have been placed in 2000. I've been pretty clear about this, that I think this is outrageous, uh, that the government is both suing itself and also backing out on deals that were entered into in good faith 16 years ago. They may have been bad deals, but they were entered into in good faith. And I think that's really important. And the thing that is Absolutely flummoxing me is that even if the government wins their case, you'll end up with a much higher liability to consumers and you'll end up with these two old coal plants staying open longer. So, if their goal is to cut emissions, then why in the world are they doing this? Because what wow. the electricity companies did was basically, I'm I'm very vastly oversimplifying, but what the electricity companies were doing were basically putting into place a bunch of dominoes that would lead to the shutdown of these plants before the end of their life, a couple of them. Mm -hmm. And what the government's action is doing is prolonging the life of coal plants, which just doesn't make any sense to me because their policy is phase out coal. So I have a lot to say about that, and I'll probably get in trouble because it's all in front of the courts. But I think this is a very bad move on the part of the government.
1: Jim, thanks thanks for the call. Right now in Calgary, 12 degrees. The weather brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Reach for the stars. Talk to a financial advisor about Fidelity Investments today. Uh, Jason Markosoff on Twitter is actually asking a question, it appears, on behalf of his parents. My parents want me to complain to Nenshi that some street markers are way too small, especially McLeod and Heritage
2: thanks, Jason. Um, take it under advisement. I'm just amused that a journalist who covers city hall is texting into our show to ask me a question. You know where to reach me, Mr. Marksoff.
1: Okay, uh let's try to get in a couple of more calls here. Hey, Owen, you've been hanging in there. What's your question to the mayor?
0: Oh Owen you know what without appointment that's going
2: on regularly. You know, I, oh, I, I, I
1: apologize. It's just a, a lousy phone connection there.
0: How about uh, Matt? Sorry, hey, Owen, should... I
2: know you were waiting a long time.
0: Yeah. Hey, Matt. Uh, hey, this is uh, Matt here. Hi, you Matt. Get... Oh, hey. hey, Mr. Nancy Angela. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask a question about the uh, City Hall restoration. Yes. Um, I'm a local stonemason, and uh, it was pretty big in our community. Lots of people talking about it, like which company was going to get it. And my understanding was that all the local companies were basically uh, disqualified from even bidding on it because one of the pre-qualifications was a, a very large dollar figure that that company had done the restoration job. And there just hasn't been one of this size
2: so i'm really want really, to hear
0: what you had to say listen
2: i am really glad you told me that Matt. I have not heard this before. Uh, one of the things that I've been working pretty hard on uh is opening up our procurement processes, you know even when I was a consultant and I would apply yeah. to the city. Some of the I, I never got work. Well, once I think I got work with the city because the criteria were really out, outrageous. So, mm-hmm. and, and the broad me. issue we've been working on that, but on this particular issue on the masonry on old City Hall, there's been a lot of talk about this. And I think the easiest thing would be, um, could you please uh, just send me a note? It's the mayor at calgary.ca. And by the way, anyone who doesn't get their questions answered today, the mayor at calgary.ca. And I'm going to do a little more digging on this one because this is one where we actually really, you know, we're not allowed under the the rules of the province to um, give preferential treatment to local companies. But at the same time, we should not be making it more difficult for local companies. And on this particular issue, this is important to the city. And I want local people who have pride in the city to be working on it as much as possible.
1: Matt, unfortunately, we are out of time. And Mayor Nancy, as always, maybe we did talk about the U.S. election too much. We apologize.
2: It is what it is, you and I, when we start getting talking. (laughs) Next month. Next month, you've got to come in.
1: Darcy, write it down.
2: We got that's uh, we got to get it in because we got so many texts here, so many phone calls. Again, people can reach me on Twitter at Nenshi. I answer everything. Sometimes I'm snarky. Um, the mayor at Calgary.ca. You can reach me. And I just want to say to everyone, please take the time tomorrow to attend a memorial service for Remembrance Day. There's an indoor one at the Jubilee, but it's a beautiful day. Those outdoor ones at Central Memorial Park, at Battalion Park, um, at Mawada Armory, uh, and at the military museums. And the field of crosses at ten thirty. And the field of crosses yeah. on Memorial Drive, so beautiful. It's important. Uh, So please take that time out of your day at 11 a.m. Even if you're not at a ceremony, take those two minutes of silence. It's something that matters.
1: Mayor Nancy, thanks again. Thank you. We've got news coming up
2: next. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott Weekdays at 3 on News Talk
0: 770 Calgary.